There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The following is a presentation of the SpeedSport Podcast Network. Mike Wallace doesn't have all that much driving experience. For the last three or four years, he's put in his views in this business. Mike Wallace comes down to the line. He'll pick up the win. It's Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. The battle's for the lead. Mike Wallace gets by Jason Leffler. Mike Wallace comes off turn number four. A great move in that corner. He comes to the line and will win. From grassroots to the top of the racing world, hear the stories of NASCAR's biggest names and how they made it all the way. Who was Tony Stewart before he was Tony Stewart? I could barely make enough money to pay attention, let alone to try to survive. From the Speed Sport Podcast Studios, powered by My Race Pass, here are your hosts, Mike Wallace and Jeff Kent. Welcome to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace, part of the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass. My name is Jeff Kent. Strap yourselves in, pull those belts tight. We'll take you on a journey from short tracks across America to super speedways and everything in between. Today's guest, a race car engine builder extraordinaire, former team owner and mechanic. Graduated from NC State University in 1990 with a degree in mechanical engineering. He worked in his father's race shop in between semesters, then joined the organization full-time in 1990 as the team's engine builder. They built engines for drivers like Davey Allison, Ernie Irvin, and Dale Jarrett, among others. Their engines have won races at Daytona, Indy, and so many more, and won the 1999 Cup Series Championship with driver Dale Jarrett. In total, their engines won 56 races and three championships. He is currently the president and CEO of Roush Yates Engines, the primary builder of Ford engines in the top two NASCAR series. Welcome to the podcast, Doug Yates. Doug, say hi to Mike Wallace. Hey, Mike. How are you doing, buddy? Thank you and Jeff for having me on today. Well, thank you very much, Doug, for joining us. It's quite an honor. I told Jeff I know our, our show is now hitting a plateau when Doug Yates agreed to come on our show. We, we're, we're doing something right. <laughs> so, Doug, yeah, so, Doug, your, your family has been in, um, you know, the motorsports business as long as I know. I moved down here in 1990. One ninety one, and you know the Robert Yates name was was synonymous with motorsports. Had been for many years. Met you a few years later. You're this young, cool looking dude that works at the motor shop, you know, and uh, always been very, very nice to me. And I'm so appreciative of that. Thank you. But uh, all the fans that are out there listening, Doug, how many fans? The whole world is listening, Mike. Yes, Doug, the whole world is listening. Don't yes. be nervous. I'm a- <laughs> the whole world. So. Uh, you know, a lot of people know your name, Doug, and they know you as an engine builder in NASCAR, but they don't know the backstory. They don't know how you got involved in the sport and when you got involved in the sport. And we found the best way, and we found people really enjoy it, 
if you'll take us way back in time when um, Doug Yates remembers maybe the first opportunity he had to hang out with his dad or do something or somebody else exposed you to racing, can you take us back to that time and tell us a little bit about how you got started in the motorsports industry? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to share share my story. I mean, I, I really haven't been very far. I was born here in Charlotte, North Carolina, and um, and my dad got an opportunity. You know, his father was a Baptist preacher, and he was uh, the last nine kids. He was a twin. Twin brother Richard uh, ran our business for many years, and uh, while his brothers and sisters loved the ministry, my dad loved hot riding cars. And, and at the time, he had a '57 Chevrolet. And he would, you know, change the cam in it, drag race down Independence Boulevard here in Charlotte. And um, that's where he developed his passion for for speed. And he uh, graduated high school, and then he, um, he, he went to tech school in Wilson, North Carolina, learned how to work on all kinds of, you know, tractors, motor graders, transmissions. And then he um, got a job at Caterpillar, was his first job. And his boss told him, he said, Robert, you are, you're way too, you're, you're going places. And there's a place in Charlotte, North Carolina, that builds NASCAR engines and race cars called Holman and Moody. And so my dad went to Holman and Moody and applied for the job and got the job and learned how to build engines. Uh, that was about the time uh, I was born, 1967. And he started working on his craft here and um, had an opportunity at Holman and Moody. Uh, had a lot of success with uh, John Holman and Ralph Moody. They were really good to him. My dad learned a lot and uh, got a chance to build a Leroy Garbrill's uh, 1967 uh, 68 Daytona 500 race one engine. And so, you know, right away he, he loved the sport, loved the Daytona 500. That's really where his passion started. And then um, when Ford left racing around 1970, Junior Johnson asked my dad to come run his engine shop in Grandin, North Carolina, in North, near Northwood Squirrel, which we're going to go back and race here in a couple of weeks. And um, that's that's really my earliest memory of going to the racetrack was um, I was in second grade. My mom took me to Northwood Squirrel for qualifying day there and uh, and watched, watched qualifying. And, and I just loved it. Loved the cars, loved the speed, loved the found and um had an opportunity to to go that go there and watch that and then go back to work with my dad uh at juniors and, and that's really where it all started about 1971 72 1971 so your dad robert yates the world famous robert yates he was working in a caterpillar dealership and his boss says hey you basically you got way more talent <laughs> than to be here yeah yeah, that was his first job was working on motor graders in the field. So, you know, one of them would break down. And he would go out there and, you know, dig a hole and, and work on the engine, get it back running. And, and his boss um, was, was a really good guy. And he just said, Robert, you're, you know, you've got, you got a lot of talent. You should go down and, and basically to Holman and Moody. And he showed up at Holman and Moody and they said, can you, can you add and subtract? And are you good with math? And he said, absolutely. And they put him to work um, fitting bearings. And uh, that's where he, he worked there with all, you know, a lot of the greats in our sport, um, sport of NASCAR, worked at Home in the Moody. They learned at Home in the Moody. Waddell Wilson, um, Jake Elder, you know, a lot of those guys came through through there first. And that, my dad was one of those guys. And um, that really laid the foundation for his career. Doug, can you can you explain to the today's fan what Holman or who Holman and Moody was? You know, I know the name. I know what they did. But... It's a name that's not around any longer. What what was Holman and Moody? Yeah, Holman and Moody is they were the Ford factory backed effort. They started in 1957, so basically any Ford that raced, uh, they won around 100 100 races. Um, Holman and Moody actually built the race cars there, and they built the engines. And their shop was out near the Charlotte uh, Douglas, Douglas Airport there. And um, at one time they had over 300 employees and. Um, like I said, they built all the cars that um that all you know that NAS they raced in NASCAR. Uh, Holman and Moody also, um, if you've seen Ford versus Ferrari, you know Carroll Shelby um, was uh, the guy who actually ended up winning um, at Le Mans with with Ford when they beat Ferrari. But Holman and Moody also built some cars and engines for that uh, as well. So Holman and Moody was around from. 1957 to 1970, uh, as we know them, 
and um, and and just really legends. Um, uh, they were engine builders and race car drivers and race team owners. And um, I think that Roush Yates, our company, is is really the modern day version of of uh, what Holman and Moody did uh, for Ford in the '50s, '60s, and '70s. Wow, that's that's an amazing deal. Isn't that's it, a great Jeff story. Kent? Absolutely. Yeah, I had heard the name, but I, I, I'm sitting here going, I don't, I don't know. What yeah, well, either. I remember growing up in St. <laughs> Louis, and uh, it's kind of crazy what we were we were racing cars back there, and we wanted a Holman and Moody double plated wheel for our right rear on our little cheap dirt cars we had back then. <laughs> so, and you, you you couldn't get them, but so we made them. <laughs> we made, but yeah. Uh, yeah, everybody's heard the name. So. We know that Robert, you were mentioning your dad up to 71 and all that stuff. So where did, where does Doug come into play at? How, where do you start taking the attraction to the sport or to the engine side? You've been an engine guy from day one, team owner then a little later. But uh, I know you went to school as an engineer, but did you were you hanging out in any shop anywhere with your dad or with your buddies or anything like that or just waited till you got oh, out yeah. of college? No, no, no. I was always hanging around my dad. So when he worked for junior, we were there for four years. Uh, my dad would, I mean, he worked 24 seven pretty much. And so he would come home for dinner and then, you know, I would go back to work with him and, and he would have a cot there and I would spend a night at the shop with him. I was, you know, that was, I was five, six, seven years old back then. And, um, and I would stay at the shop with him. And that's, that's how I got to hang out with my dad. Cause he worked all the time. He did his machine work in the day. And then he would assemble his engines at night, dyno them, and then, uh, you know, great stories. Junior Johnson uh, would come in the shop, and and uh, you know, he would be out coon hunting or doing whatever he was doing, come in the shop, and you know, really talk to my dad and say, "Hey, look, just keep digging. We're going to win this race." And and um, and that was really inspirational. I mean, Junior was a, I mean, obviously an American hero, but also a really good cheerleader. Uh, so I got to hang out and do that with him. Go to Flossie's. Uh, Junior's wife would cook breakfast for us on Sunday. Saturday and Sunday morning when we were at the track and just a great, uh, you know, a great way to come up. And then, you know, when my dad worked at Dygard um, in the eighties, I would go there and my, it was my job to clean the shop on Saturdays and Sundays. And so I would, um, while they were gone off the racetrack, I would, you know, basically clean the shop uh, from start to finish, tear down the engines, wash parts. And I mean, my dad taught me early, you know, I, we worked every day. I mean, I haven't played, I played golf two times in my whole life. And we were usually cutting grass or, 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 you know, working at the shop, tearing down engines, washing parts. And I got to home my first block when I was 13 years old. So I, I've been around this, uh, quite a bit and, and, um, and, and got to learn really early. So I had a head start on it. And, um, my dad, after he won the championship with Bobby Allison in 1983 with Die um, you know, he, he went on to build um, Richard Petty's 200th win engine in 1984. Uh, but uh, Dygar was kind of coming apart, and uh, my dad left for a little while. I actually moved down to Greenville, South Carolina, and did um, development for fuel. And the fuel he was working on was what we know today as ethanol. And so he did that for about six months. And so just back, really in, just, back in that time, ethanol was being worked on already? Yeah, that was, that was the start of ethanol. <clears throat> These guys got him to come down to Greenville, set up an engine shop, and a lot of the guys that were in his engine shop at Digar went down there with him, and uh, they built engines, tested fuel, and, and did all kinds of stuff like that, and they would actually go to Washington and, and lobby for this fuel, and my dad, he enjoyed the um, the work and the research on it, but he really missed NASCAR and, uh, and being part of the sport, so... In 1985, he set up his own engine shop. Uh, we had a, our place was out at Charlotte Motor Speedway. And that summer, we worked seven days a week. And most days were 14, 15 hour days. All my buddies were off in, at the beach in high school. And, and I'll never forget my senior picture. I was white as a ghost. And all my buddies had a tan. And <laughs> I, I got I to make a decision here. Am I going to just stay here and work? Or am I going to go to college? And and that that kind of hit home. Like I better go to college and figure out what my options are here. I didn't know if I was going to be in NASCAR or go to work for Ford Motor Company or something like that. And so I, I picked the NC State, uh, great engineering program, great school, uh, go Wolfpack. And um and it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. Uh, I went there and um I was a, about in my junior year, and my mom and dad bought 
uh, Harry Rainier and JT Lundy's race team that he was working for, um, the Ford 28 Tesco Haviland Ford. It was originally, um, you know, Rainier Lundy. And um, they decided to call it quits and, and ask my dad if he wanted to buy the team. And this was 1989. And, um, and my dad's, man, I don't, you know, he saved a little bit of money, but a preacher's kid, humble beginnings, didn't really have a lot. And uh, he, he asked Davey, he said, Davey, what, you know, Davey also was our driver. He said, Davey, what should I do? And he said, Robert, he said, you're ready for this. And and let me tell you something. If you do this, I will be your driver uh, from now on. Shook his hand. My dad went um, home, told my mom we're going to buy the race team. And uh, they got to sell their house and move an apartment. She said, all right, let's do it. Oh, wow. And, Wait, good yeah. support then right, right there for mom, wasn't it? Yeah. I, Absolutely. He saved his money, um, had paid for his house, and that was the equity to to make the down payment on the race team. So that was October 10th, 1989. I was in school and my mom calls me, she said, Hey, look, you know, we we just bought this team. When you when you graduate, would you come back and work for the family business? And of course, when my mom calls, I'm gonna say yes. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh so I went on and uh, graduated in May of nineteen ninety on a Friday and started work on a Monday and never looked back. Man, that's an amazing story. It is a cool story. Yeah. I mean, he's talking about building a business like an engine yeah. from the ground up, you know. Why, why don't we take a break and let's come pick Good it up. Good spot another. for a break. We're talking race engines and more with Doug Yates. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs. A gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car and NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. On the line with us, renowned race engine builder, Doug Yates. And once again, here's Mike Wallace. Well, Doug, we're picking up where uh, you graduated from college. You went to college thinking you didn't know if you wanted to go racing, go to Ford Motor Company, something like that. And... Uh, Right before you graduated, you got a call from mom, and she she says her and dad bought a race team. Recruited dad, by mom. Yeah, dad bought the race team and recruited by mom, and uh, you come back home and went to work right away. So uh, pick it up from there. That's exciting. You didn't even get time to go to the beach, the way it sounds. No, we went. You know that when I graduated, I know that my dad's friend um, David Gray and my mom and dad threw a graduation party on Friday night, and then like I said, started work on on Monday morning, which I couldn't wait. I was so excited. I mean, you know, my dad's my hero. You know, I wanted to be just like him and whatever he did, I wanted to make sure he was proud of um, me and, and, and my efforts. So we went to work and, and started uh, working on our team. And at the time when I started, just to put it in perspective, I think we owned maybe six race cars. Um, we had a, a shop off of uh, 85 there, off of uh, 12 Street off of Roswell Ferry Road, pretty, very humble beginnings. We owned three engines, um, and, and that was it, you know, and it was probably a dozen people working there. Uh, so um, that was 1990. Uh, the very first assignment they gave me is they said, hey, kid, just uh, they weren't sure what to do with me, you know. Uh, so they said, all right, work on, work on Daytona, work on restrictor plate engines. And back then, nobody put a lot of effort into their plate program. So I said, okay, that sounds good. And, um, you know, it was May, and I said, all right, well, the goal is to, to go win Daytona and what we all love to do. And, and uh, so I started working on restrictor plate engines. Um, they gave me a, a business card of this guy that owns competition cams. This guy's name, name is uh, Scooter Brothers. 
he's a mentor of mine and became a great friend over the years. So I called him up and we started working on camshafts and lo and behold, we went to Daytona 1991 and set on the pole for the Daytona 500. Like, wow. That, that's amazing. <laughs> I love this. I'm, I'm really into this now. Right? I'm pretty good at this stuff, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> hey, this, this stuff's pretty easy. Yeah. I didn't know, know if I was good at it or it definitely wasn't easy, but I was definitely into it and I had a passion for it. And and um, I just couldn't wait to get to Daytona. And, and um, that season, we didn't win the race, but we Jake Elder was our crew chief, we set on the pole and and, um, and, and Jake was a cool guy, but you know, we were going places and, and we, we, and my dad was, had his eye on Larry McReynolds and, and Larry Mack, uh, and my dad worked a deal and Larry came to work for us, um, pretty early on in that season. And man, we started winning races, you know, and it was, um, Larry really made it click. I mean, he was like the one missing piece for us. And, and, uh, we were, I think we won five races that year and, and we're, and we're, we're on our way and. And, um, and we went to the 1992 dates on a 500 and, um, and we won that race. And it was, that was like the start of my real passion for Daytona. Um, it was a, it was a really big moment for Davey Allison, our 28 Texaco Havling team. And, um, we were legitimate. I mean, we were, we were really contenders every single week and it's something I'll, I'll never forget, but I think I do need to tell you this part. They put me on the pick group. I said, okay. This is cool. And they wanted me to be the signboard guy. Well, back then, the signboard guy used to go out on pit road, if you remember, Mike. Yeah. Scrape so, the grill, do things like that. You know, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But you didn't just hold a pole over the pit wall. You actually went out on pit road with the sign. Oh, yeah. Standing out on pit road. You, yeah, sir. Standing yeah. out on pit road. That's kind so of dangerous, first, right? <laughs> the very first race, 1992 dates on a five. Here comes Davey. And uh, I knew he wasn't going to stop. So, uh <laughs> hits me, hits me over the wall, and, and I'm laying on the ground thinking to myself, my mom and dad on the team. I went to five years, have a college degree, and they gave me the signboard job. <laughs> but clearly, I was uh, I was not that valuable to this whole organization. But it was, it was one of those things where it's like, wow, this is this is cool. And, you know, I got a chance to, to um, along with building in just to be on the pit crews and carry tires and change tires and stuff like that. But back then the pit crews weren't the professional athletes that they are today. So uh, NASCAR has come a long ways from, from then, but um, it was, um, yeah, it was fantastic. My dad would build the bottom ends of the engines. You would put the crank rods and pistons in them and I would take them from there and build them up and, and, um, you know, dyno tests and, and, um, and got to be really hands-on and, it was a great, uh, great start to um, looking back 30 some years ago. Now it's fantastic. You guys, I mean, there's no doubt that you, there was a time there where the Yates engine, they were called the Yates Rockets. Remember that? And you set the, you guys set the standard for horsepower, for speed in NASCAR. What was it that was able to put you over the top like that without divulging too many industry secrets? No, it was, yeah, Jeff, it was, it was so much fun. I mean, we worked, I mean, we just, we had so much fun and, and, um, we had one dynamometer. We had a great group of guys. I mean, Larry Wallace was our cylinder head guy, James Luter, Bernard Hubbard. I mean, well, those are some famous names right there. Oh. I, I, you know, I, I forgot all about Larry Wallace working for you guys or with you, however you want to say it. Yeah. Yeah. So we came up with a cylinder head in 1990. 1991 that was 50 horsepower better than any engine in the entire field 50 and that's a lot 50. oh my gosh that's <laughs> that's 50. half a football yeah. field <laughs> and, so today if you have a five horsepower advantage you're in good shape but it was these the heads and manifold and piston combination and the camshaft that went along with it was revolutionary and so much so that the other four teams in nascar didn't like it. They're like, why do all these Ford cylinder heads look different than Robert's head? I don't understand. So basically, they made us uh, give our cylinder head to um, Ford Motor Company, and they cast it, and that was the head. It was the Yates head, um, really famous deal, and uh, it was a C3 head. But they called the Yates head, and they said that Robert, all right, you've got a, you've got a great cylinder head. You've got to give it up. I'll never forget Gary Nelson came to our shop and stayed there all night making templates 
And um, we said, all right, what do we do now? Because Ford wanted us to make all the sewn heads for all the Ford cars. Well, to make a set of sewn heads back then, it took about three months to take those stock Ford heads and to make the Yates head. And so my dad was, he was always looking ahead. He said, all right, well, if we're going to do this, we're going to get them cast and we're going to need to figure out how to manufacture these. So we bought a CNC machine. And back then, nobody had a CNC machine. I was going to say, that was way before CNC machines in the uh, racing industry came about, wasn't it? Absolutely. We had a guy, Brett Conway, he had a place in Lynchburg, Virginia, and, and he was going to manufacture the cylinder heads for us. I'll never forget James Luter, who was our machine, one of the best machinists the sport's ever been. He's been gone for a while now, but he looked at my dad and said, boy, that machine's going to, that thing right there is going to put you out of business. <laughs> and the reason why I'm giving you so much context about this is because today we have about 75 CNC machines making all kinds of parts. But back then it was unheard of, and um, it was a really big advantage. So we started making the cylinder heads for all the Ford cars. And I love – Lynn Wood loves to tell the story. The first time they got their cylinder heads, the very first pull, it was like 40 horsepower better than what they had been running. And uh, he called down to Bud Moore's shop and talked to Greg Moore. He says, what'd you get? Because they had a set of heads. Also, he's like, I think it's like 45 better. Like, you got to be kidding me. And because we would tell him, he said, we make 700 horsepower. And um, back when I started, we were making 650. Got all this stuff worked out, made 700. And he said, there ain't no way you guys have 700 horsepower. I said, well, you just wait. They bolted those heads on. They said, oh, my gosh, you guys weren't kidding. Like, no. And, um, you know, we we were winning races, and we had Larry Mack as the crew chief. Davey Allison was our driver. I mean, we were we were really getting it done. Um, but the very first r- race the Wood Brothers ran those heads was at uh, Watkins Glen. The second race was Michigan. And uh, Dale Jarrett beat Davey Alice. He beat us, our car. Um, so 21 beat the 28 at Michigan with those cylinder heads. Larry Mack was, he was so mad at my dad. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was so pissed. Had, had I mean, to give away the secret, right? He, he, yes. He is, uh, there's lots of phrases that he used, but it was um, <laughs> basically, we didn't, we didn't have a choice, but um that was kind of where it started and and that's the way our relationship before motor company and, and all the engine development and design work that they've done since then has been with us and and uh i want to thank the ford you guys edsel ford bill ford jim farley for giving us that opportunity but um they kind of put us on the map and started us started us rolling and and um and, and won a lot of races with that advantage Doug, I, I want to step back our conversation a little bit because I'm so intrigued by how you how you said it, how you guys worked at the shop. How did you come? I mean, I think the best way is how did you come up with a cylinder head that made 50 horsepower more than anybody else? I mean, was it your ingenuity? I mean, you're a young kid, went to college, got a, a new mindset, or was there a group of people with a mindset? You know, that just doesn't happen every day. You know, it's not yeah, like it, it just was, pops out. What, what took your organization, your dad's organization, Robert Yates Racing, and like your light years ahead of everybody else? Well, what, what, what allowed that to happen? Yeah, a lot of ingenuity. I mean, you know, Larry, Larry Wallace, my dad, worked together through the years and and had a lot of success together. And basically, this this um, cylinder head had, you know, the push rod was right in the middle of the port, so moved the push rod over. We had to have a, a new rocker arm built um, for that. Um, we straightened the valves up, uh, which made a better combustion chamber, which, you know, we changed the piston design to match that. Looter made the pistons. Um, and just work, continued to work. Many, many iterations, many all-nighters. Um, and and when we finally when we finally hit on it, it was probably fr- Friday night at 7 o'clock. Um, and on the dyno, and the thing went over, you know, made a record number, but it was just a combination of really taking that Ford head and improving the airflow and improving the, the combustion. It was a faster burn. You didn't have to run as much ignition timing and just all those details was, it was a game changer. And, um, and it really just took that Ford engine uh, to, to make it the best engine in the field by leaps and bounds. And, but it, it took all those guys really just working together to, 
and and never giving up. And my dad was always a big guy. He's like, you usually gonna if you're gonna beat somebody, you're gonna beat them when they're out on a date on Friday night. You're at the shop working, and uh, you you win with advantages, and and hard work is one of those advantages. And surround yourself with a lot of smart people is another one. But there was only a handful of them, and they came up with that design and. And um, it really put us on the map. So I'm guessing there weren't a whole lot of college degrees in that building, in that think tank. You know what I'm saying? I'm, ju- I'm just guessing yeah. that it was old school ingenuity, right? Primarily, you're, you're exactly right. I was the first engineer that we had, and I was pretty early uh, out of school. And, and, but it was, it was all those years of just working on different types of engines, kind of understanding you know, the really good engine guys really, really understand how the engine works, what makes it, um, what makes it work. And my dad and Larry and all those guys were, um, as a, that was an unbelievable amount of talent in that building down there, 115 to Wealth Street. You know, when I first moved down here from St. Louis, Missouri, and I got to know of the, of Robert Yates and met you early on and just, <clears throat> really didn't know much about it, but the one thing that was always spread throughout the garage area in the community is you're not going to outwork Robert Yates. And at that point, you're not going to outwork That's Robert what it Yates. Like. And I'm just listening. And I, it's like, I mean, he had a cot at the shop back in the day, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's right. And, and that's what we love about NASCAR. I mean, you know, it's, it's this is, uh, you know, this was our competition. This is what we love to do is just show up. When you walk in that garage, you want to, you want to feel like you, you got the best stuff out there and, and uh, you worked hard for it. And that's what, that's what we did for many, many, many years. and still doing today with our group of people here at Roush Yates and uh, Ford performance. So it's, um, uh, we love NASCAR. I mean, the, you know, the France family is for 75 years, they've given us an opportunity to go race, line up and, and let's uh, see what we have. And, um, and that was, um, uh, that was good times back in the early nineties and mid nineties. And ultimately we went, ended up winning the championship with Del Jarrett in 1999. Um, um, so it was a, it was a great run. The best time for me in this sport is working with side by side with my dad. I mean, we push each other so hard. Um, and, um, it, it was a lot of fun. I got, you know, I wasn't around all that, but I'd seen it from a distance. Yeah. And it, yeah, it, cool. it it was very very cool to see, and uh, then the performance numbers they laid on the table was incredible. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, that's just... amazing. They were they were outperforming everybody. We're talking race engines. We're talking horsepower with Doug Yates. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. On the line today, Doug Yates joining us once again. Here's Mike Wallace. Doug, so you guys revolutionized cylinder heads for the Ford Motor Company. And the one question I have to ask you, you were mentioning about the Wood Brothers, talking about Bud Moore. After you sent them those cylinder heads, yeah, I mean, you kind of described a little bit but what was like the real phone call or the messaging to come back of how the heck or how how do you, how are you guys so smart to have this much cylinder? What did the Wood Brothers say to you when they first realized what their engine pull was? Yeah, it was it was interesting back then because Lynn and I are really good friends today, and, and we talk about this more than we talked back then because we were pretty fierce competitors. You know? I mean, we didn't want to give up our cylinder head. We didn't really want to. Um, have to do all that but um you know they were they were impressed you could you could tell right away they were they they couldn't believe they couldn't believe what they were seeing you know and and um and, and it helped them you know help them uh, with the race teams and and what they were doing but it was you know we were racing pretty hard against each other back then and we knew after we gave up the cylinder heads and manifold that we're gonna have to work uh, for other advantages and we kept working on the engine and and uh and found other things to keep 
keep moving it forward. So I was going to ask you this back in the show when I lost train of thought. When NASCAR came to you or come to Robert or however they did it and said, hey, you, you got too much of an unfair advantage. You got to give it up. And then Ford says we need all – what, what do you think that – what was that immediate thought in your shop? Yeah, it didn't, it didn't go over that well. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's, the guys worked so hard. Um, and you know how you know how this thing works. It, you know, you win a race, and take your car and, and show somebody else what you've done. It's, you know, we're real competitors today. But back then, especially, you just didn't – you got to remember, this is a time where they didn't – they didn't show up at the racetrack with a chassis down until 1996, you know, nobody had ever seen what somebody else makes for an engine down. That's where didn't own a down. Uh, so it was, it was, it was kind of intrusive. I mean, it was, you know, we, we were taken back by it, but the choice was to run, you know, junior Johnson had a tunnel port head that he, he wanted. He was a Ford guy back then, uh, this time when all this was going on and, uh, he wanted to run his head and then, so there was a debate for a time about um, which head, but it was a clear it was a clear decision and the right decision um, to give up our head, and that we just had to to work harder in other areas. Well, here's a silly question, but that's what I'm here for. There had to have been some sort of uh, financial compensation for what you guys were doing, right? Everybody- yeah, just so, so what? Yeah, I mean, so what Ford did is said, Robert, you know, for every head that sold, we'll give you. I don't know. I can't remember the number, but let's just say. A hundred bucks or something, you know. Right. Yeah. And so that's how they they compensated him for that work. And and like I said, Ford had always supported us on the engine development side and still do today. And uh, but um but yeah, it was there was something in it, but it wasn't about it's it's interesting. For the first ten years of a race, I never even my dad used to get on me, so you don't even know what a crankshaft costs. And I said, Well, I don't really care. You know, we're <laughs> trying to win this race and and if, if it takes this to do it and that's what we're going to do and, and it really wasn't a business back then i mean we we wanted to keep the lights on and pay the guys to help us and they had a lot of people that just showed up we can help you know but um those days it wasn't it wasn't a business like it is today and um that doesn't make it bad or good it's just different you know hey doug in that sense i want to have a shout out to your dad robert tell me just the way you just said that i really like the way you said it. it really wasn't a business robert himself told me one day and you just i don't know i guess it's kind of personal business but it's probably public now he says mike you know we work so hard at this he says but the one thing i'm proud of he says i pay all my bills i don't borrow money for anything and if i can't do it with what we got now i don't do it hmm. is that a true story that is absolutely true you know you would always say <laughs> the banks didn't like him very much because he didn't ever borrow any money. But you know, he grew up in a, it, you know, he grew up a Christian home, you know, and humble beginnings. And their rules: if if you can't afford it, then you can't afford it, you know. And when you have enough money to pay for something, you you, you go get it and and um, save your money for when it really counts. And but he always wanted to pay his vendors, the suppliers, our partners first. To make sure that they they were in good shape because they were important to um to our business and and what we were doing and also he wanted to be first in line so, you know yeah. so because so, uh, that's that's important as well as you know but no he he just lived by a pretty i mean dave ramsey is probably a good comparison to my dad he, he they share very similar uh principles on on finance and uh and paying your bills I just always thought he was so nice to me and just gave me that like kind of little advice. Like he was yeah, kind of, right. he was telling me don't spend outside of my means in his conversation is yeah. what it would amount to. And I, I enjoy that immensely. So as you, as your life long racing is expanded and you guys have given up a little bit of advantage in the, the engine building part, it's continues to strive. Uh, and I, if I'm right, do you take a more active role in the team or take over the teams or how, how did that start to work from there? Yeah, so we, you know, it was um, after we won the championship in 99, it, that was a, I mean, just an incredible, I mean, think about it, a, a preacher's son from Charlotte, North Carolina goes on to own a race team and win a, a Winston Cup championship. I mean, how often does that happen? I mean, that was, that was just 
what a great story. Sounds like a well, movie sir. title, doesn't it? It really does. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, complimentary. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, my, through the preacher's we went eyes. Through, <laughs> we went through so much, you know, heartache with, you know, Davy getting killed in this helicopter and and um, Davy, my dad, Davy was a second son to my dad. I mean, he just, he absolutely, maybe a first son. <laughs> he, was, <laughs> he, he loved Davy Allison. Um, and then Ernie Irvin comes along. Man, he was incredible. So talented. We're on our way to win a championship in 94, racing against Dale Earnhardt. Gets, you know, hurt at Michigan on Saturday morning. Like, man, we're, wow, let's keep going. My dad. I'll never forget the meeting in the shop. He came in and said, guys, we've got a driver for, uh, for a 28 car. And we said, all right, who is it? Cause you know, we were used to baby Alice and he said, it's Dale Jarrett. So I'm like, man, <laughs> Dale's good. I mean, Dale's good, but is, is he, is he like, how good is he? You know, is he good and enough for us? Right. Good enough. Yeah. Cause we were, man, we went to every race we were going to, we never went to a track. We didn't think we were going to win. And, um, and, and so, man, he, 95 was a tough year with DJ. And then 96, when Del Jarrett and Todd Parrott and Robert Yates got together in 1996, it was magic. It won the Daytona 500, the World 600, Brickyard 400, Kiss the Bricks, you know, very first team. Yeah, you guys started that whole deal, right? Yeah, Dale and they were so confident of our performance. They talked about it on Saturday night that they were going to do something special. And, and, uh, and um, after we won the race, I think the race was on Saturday. So it's Friday night and okay. uh, back at the race there on Saturday and, um, and won the race and, and uh, turn our hats around and kiss the bricks. And that's something I'm really proud of. Every time we go there, or every time we see somebody doing that, I think, you know, that was Dale and Todd. Um, and they came up with that. It's something cool. But to, after we won the championship in 99, man, that was a, uh, it's hard to keep that going, you know, and, um, things were changing world was involving and, um, 2002, you know, I, I got it more involved with the team, um, side of things and we're going to help my dad run the team. And it just, it just didn't work out. I wasn't old enough, mature enough. Uh, and I definitely could not run the engine shop and, and the team. And, and so we started kind of regroup there. And um and got it back together in '03 and '04, but uh, so uh, so Doug, let me ask you because I mean I to me you've always been this really first of all very hospitable, very nice young man, and you're smart as heck. I mean back then, why would you say at that time you weren't able to do that? Just curious how things change. You know, you you had control on that on helping in that motor shop, but when it comes to running the whole team, you, what what made you think you couldn't do it all or be the leader of that group? Yeah, that's that's a that's a great question. And being, you know, I, to be successful in this sport, and you know this, Mike, you have to sacrifice so much, and and you've got to be all in. This is not a this is not a, a job. This is a lifestyle. You know, this is a this is something you give everything to do. And and um and I, I don't know if I was ready I was to give ready it all in. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, I just, um, I met my wife, you know, I was married in early 90s or mid 90s and, and uh, I was, that didn't work out. I was more married to my job and, and um, then I was my committed to my, that first one. So I wasn't going to mess that up again. First one. <laughs> the first one. <laughs> yeah. That's supposed to be humor. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it takes right. a couple of yeah. tries, you know. Yeah, so I, I just um that and and the running a team is a lot different than running an engine shop. You know, it's a, it's a much different business, and um and so anyway, and and the other thing is my dad wasn't really ready to give up. Okay, <laughs> so, that was that was a real reason there. Huh? <laughs> yeah, there's gonna be there, there was gonna be his way or or uh, or my way, and and I didn't want to get to that point. But anyway, he he took it back over, and and ultimately uh, had some success, but. He wanted to. He was tired, and and we re, he retired in 2007. That was his last season. Um, and interestingly enough, that last year we sat on the front row for the Daytona 500 uh, with um, with David Gillen and the 38 car and Ricky Rudd in the 88 car. So, 
even to the end, we were we were pretty successful. But he was um, he was ready to go do something different. He retired in 2007, and um, had 10 years um, of his life to to do whatever he wanted to do until uh, um, he passed away in 2017. Well, he he was certainly an icon, iconic individual from a racing perspective. But as an individual, he was iconic. Well, I was, what did he do for those 10 years after he, he retired from racing? Jeff, he told me being retired was like having seven Saturdays in every week. <laughs> I, I use that slogan all the time, yeah. myself, but I say six Saturdays and a Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, um, he, he loved riding Harley-Davidson motorcycles. I mean, that was one of his favorite things. He would go to Sturgis and and do that. But, um, you know, after about six months of being retired, he, he got a little bored. And so uh, he worked with Mike Helton and, and the France family, and, and they – and set up a company that builds engines, the spec engine for the what was the K&N series at that time, and then uh, the modified. So they still do that today. Uh, Christy Jones and David Lewis do that today, uh, carrying on his name. And my mom owns that company. And and then he bought a farm in North Wilkesboro. So kind of went back uh, to where he knew, where he worked with Junior Johnson. And he, he had, you know, 600 acres, and, and he would go up there and, and – and he made that place beautiful. You know, he just wanted it to be perfect. And um, and so he, he enjoyed either going to the farm or working on engines. And when he retired, um, we bought, Whitney and I bought him a, uh, a lab. And he and that dog, Miley, he named his dog. They spent every day together and just enjoyed life. Yeah, that's a beautiful story. Beautiful story there. So it is. I think I'll buy me a farm. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> look, I when when I was uh, when I came down to the Carolinas to try to prosper race, of course, I you know kind of followed both my brothers down here and Robert Yates, Doug Yates, and we I ran some of their engines in a bush car and run drove for them yeah. one time, and uh, yeah, they were so nice of people. I mean, they they Doug is still today. His father was so nice. Mom's nice, though. We were big time at one time. I don't think Doug was there for this. One time in Daytona, after they sat on a pole, I was a guy loaned me a, a boat slash yacht, loaned it to me. Right? Yeah. Well, we had a party on it. <laughs> Robert and Carolyn would come on there. We invited them on. No kidding. Well, we carried them off though. <laughs> and, and the stories that went on, it, it was so much fun, and I I love them so much, and uh, really do. And uh, what you so you them? won the party. We won the party, but there, there's a there's a backside to that story. I'll tell you the story about trying to be big time one time. It was it, I didn't listen to Robert Yates' story about only do what you can afford to do and pay for. <laughs> so you, when does the end of Robert Yates Racing? When did that officially quit or dissolve or whatever? What year was that? Yeah, so it was uh, 2007 was our last year, and. And you know things were things were changing pretty rapidly. You know, Toyota came into the sport and they were really being aggressive on growing their teams. And um, and we had, you know, we lost UPS, um, we lost that sponsorship, and and we had M and M's, and the M and M's people, the Mars family, such a great family. Um, you know, they were really good people. When they came aboard in 03, they hadn't won a race. Um, They've never won a Cup race. And Forrest Mars, speaking of boats and boat stories, Forrest Mars uh, told us, he said, look, if you guys want to race this year, I'll take everybody on my boat down the, the BBIs. And so we won, and, um, and everybody bailed out. So my wife and I, Raymond Fox and Terry Fox, and uh, Todd Perry and his girlfriend, we all went on this boat with Forrest Mars, which it, I didn't know what a billionaire was, you know? <laughs> I, I had no idea. I just knew it was uh, Forrest Mars. We went down there, had a really good time after the season was over. And But when we lost UPS, Forrest called my dad and said, Robert, he said, man, you've been a great partner. We've won races. We've made the playoffs, et cetera. But I don't want to be a single-car team. And uh, we got two years left on your on your sponsorship. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you both of them next year so you can run two cars. And, and we'll see how it goes. And if it goes good, maybe we'll sign up and, and keep going. Well, we were smart enough to know that he was being very gracious. And, but this deal was probably over for us. And, and my dad was the kind of guy who, he, you know, he didn't borrow any money and saved his money. And he said, 
it's maybe it's just time for me to to step off and you keep the engine shop going and you're doing great running that for Jack and um and Ralph Fenway and and you guys keep going doing that but I'm gonna I'm gonna go enjoy the rest of my life here and and um and he and he deserved to do that so we shut the team down in 2000 at the end of 2007 the hardest part was the people you know you had so many loyal people that have been around and and um that, that's what businesses are all about right it's all about the team you have people you have and that was it wasn't sad for him as much as it was for for the guys but most of them got really good jobs a lot of them went to Penske and and uh, on different teams Hendrick etc and, and it all turned out well and, and uh, he got to shut her down and I'll never forget when he drove off after that year he took his motor home south and he he said, man, that was that was a good day right there. Beautiful. Let's take let's a time take... out here, come yep. back, and we'll discuss the next chapter, shall we? We're talking to Doug Yates. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. On the line for one more segment, Doug Yates is joining us. And once again, here's Mike Wallace. Well, Doug, you know, I've, um, I always say this, and Jeff, you've heard me say it before. I think I know everybody we're talking to, right? And then you have them on the show. You have them on the show, and there's and this whole, learn. just what the show is designed for, <laughs> this whole backstory that you don't know anything about. So, Doug, you know, Thanks for bringing us up to speed on everything and uh, through that era and when the race team closed and then uh, the next progression in your life, you, you go kind of control the, the Ford racing industry, Ford motor racing industry around not just in NASCAR, but kind of, am I saying this right, around the world, around the country, something like that? Tell us how that all works out. Well, the Ford family has been really good to, to me and my family and 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 when they you know we were we had a brand new engine shop here in Mooresville in 2002 that my dad built uh in anticipation of growing and growing our engine lease business and uh about that time Dodge came in and and took a lot of those teams and Jack Roush had his operation in Michigan and he had five cars and we had two or three cars and and Edsel Ford and Dan Davis and everybody's at Ford racing at the time said hey why don't you guys get together and he said, Jack Roush and Robert Yates together? That doesn't make a lot of sense to most people, uh, but uh, but it made sense to us. And so at the end of both three, um, my dad and I went and met Jack at Atlanta back when that was at the end of the season and talked about putting our program together. And, um, and we all said it made a lot of sense, and, and we started doing that. So uh, Jack won the championship with Matt Kenseth in 03, and, and – uh, and that winter, we put uh, what is now Roush Yates Racing Engines together uh, and um, started a partnership, a 50-50 partnership. It's been a great relationship, and that set the platform for everything that we know today. Um, and we started off with cup cars in, in 04. Um, one of my proudest moments is sitting on the front row for the Daytona 500 the first time out with, uh, with Jack Roush and Greg Biffle and my dad and Elliot Sadler. That was our very first outing as Roush Yates. And uh, something that was really incredible, and then went on to win the Cup championship that year with Kurt Busch, and um, and that immediate success really allowed us to grow. We we added the Xfinity Series programs the next year uh, that Jack had and my dad had, and and we we were continuing to do road race engines for uh, Jim France's IMSA Series um, that had the um, a production based five liter overhead cam engine in it, and so this was all coming together and building momentum. And so we just continued to build on that through the years and, uh, in NASCAR, IMSA, and then, um, and then, you know, on, on and on, but probably a couple of notable things is, you know, we, we have four Rolex 24 hour wins 
um, and uh, in, in the DP series. And then in 2014, 13, Ford started talking about going back to Lamont. And they wanted to go back. It was a 50-year anniversary of Ford beating Ferrari. And, um, and Edsel Ford wanted to go back and, and do what his dad, Henry II, uh, the Deuce did in 1966 and to beat uh, beat uh, Enzo Ferrari and and now his son Piero Ferrari as uh, company. And so they asked us to build the engines and uh, Chip Ganassi to race the teams, to to field the teams, uh, Larry Holt, Multimatic, to build the car and uh, to pull all this together and with a with a um, V6 twin turbo EcoBoost engine that you can find in in the Ford street cars today. And it's like, wow, this is pretty, pretty intimidating project. Right. And, uh, to go back and tempt fate to, to beat Ferrari and to win Le Mans. And, um, and ultimately to make a long story short, we went there the very first year and, and, um, and accomplished that feat. So that's something that I'm really proud that, that uh, to be a part of at Roush Yates and, and Ford performance and everybody here. But, in total, you know, we've had over 500 wins um, since we formed the company in 04. And uh, those, you know, in Cup, Xfinity, Truck, Road Racing, and, and across the world. So it's it's been a really good, uh, really good program. Jack Roush is a great partner and has allowed us to continue to grow the company. And today, um, we're, you know, we have two divisions, one that builds the race engines and another one that manufactures parts for, um for, in, for our engines, for the next-gen car that competes competing today, and also defense, aerospace, and space. So it's something that uh, uh, a really, really cool company. We have over 200 employees that um, that uh, do all these things and make it all happen. And I'm um, just fortunate to be able to lead this company and do what we do. Well, everybody that I know works with you, Doug, tells me how great a leader you are. Tell me, because I'm really uneducated when it comes to things of this nature. How do you take a race team? And first of all, congratulations on Lamar. That is like, a, that was a goosebump story to me. Yeah, that's for, pretty huge. For, you know, I mean, just thinking that. Uh, Throwing all that together and then going to beat. Yeah, and then going and the beating Ferraris. Ferrari per se, you know, and all the other competitors. But, uh, boy, big kudos to you. And yeah, your that, group, of that, course, you know. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. We, we started with that engine, and I'll just give you a little bit of the highlights. We started with the engine with Chip Ganassi in 2014, so we got had a little bit of runway with the engine uh, in the DP series. And the very first race we went to, we couldn't keep head gaskets in this thing to save our lives. We would get we would run 24-hour endurances up in Michigan at Ford um, Motor Company up there, and about 20 hours in, we'd lose a head gasket. We'd make another change, and and our guys have worked all nighters. I mean, they they were just really about at the wits end. I mean, I was at the point I was getting ready to write a letter to Chip Ganassi personally to say, "Hey, Chip, uh, we've done our best. It might make it, it might not." And my dad comes in, and this is Friday afternoon at five o'clock, and he said, "Hey, look, I've been thinking about this, and I think I have a solution." I said, "Oh, man, we're worn out." <laughs> Here we go. We need Dad's suggestion now, right? <laughs> he said, "He said, take these, take these brass plugs and press them between the bores, and do this and do this, and and trust me, you got to do this." I said, "Dad, these guys have worked four all-nighters in a row. I can't. It's Friday night. Can I don't know if I, he said. Trust me, this is going to work. So we worked all weekend, made the changes that he suggested, built the engine, sent it to Michigan." Uh, to run a 24-hour endurance at 24 hours. They said, it's still running. What do you want me to do? So we'll keep going. So 28 hours, they said, what do you want me to do? So, well, I think we've had enough. I think we're far enough. And built the engine, sent them to Daytona. Thing performed flawlessly. And so it's just, (laughs) you ask how you do these things. Uh, In 1990, it was a cylinder head in in 2000. Uh, 14 it was you know an EcoBoost uh street engine and you just always keep keep going keep keep digging and and never give up uh, that, that's incredible it's really cool that your dad come in and give you a suggestion i think that's the that's the coolest part of that whole story but uh what, what, 
It wasn't very cool at the time, but now it's cool <laughs> well, yeah. talking about it today, it's cool. You know, it, make, it makes it sound like the, you know, the, the old boss come back in to give a final opinion. You know, and it it paid off, and it's like I've been thinking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've been thinking. <laughs> been, okay, Dad, go back, go back to the farm for me, please. You know, but uh, so Doug has, uh, I don't know. I'd like to get in because we're going to run out of time here, and I know you're very versed in everything. And I, I lost my train of thought there for a second. How do you guys get into military business? How do you get in defense? How do you get in space? How do, Does somebody come to you, or do you go have people going out pursuing that because you have all this engineering and manufacturing capability? How does that work? Well, it's it kind of just over time, you know, we, we've accumulated a, all these CNC machines. We've accumulated a lot of skills to learn how to build these parts for NASCAR engines. We ran out of space in our current building here in Mooresville. The original building, which is 75,000 square feet. We're in another building about 30,000 square feet, and this place is filling up. And we said, man, we could probably do this work for other other industries, and it would make a lot of sense, and, and it would provide jobs for people and opportunity for people, and, and it make a good business. And, that, and that's kind of how it started. So about 2008, we kind of started going on this road, and, and it's, it's much different. I mean, there's a lot of certifications and standards, and and um, things that are specific to that industry. And we just started going. And then when my dad um, decided, after my dad passed away, my mom wanted to sell their old race shop, which was about 85,000 square feet. And, and I said, well, if we're going to do this, let's do it right. Let's do it world-class. Uh, I bought the building and um, and really have set up what, you know, a, a world-class manufacturing facility that's very you know, it applies to all the things we've learned in NASCAR all the years. You, you want to be able to be proud of it. People that work there to be proud of, bring partners in. And, and um, so we started down the road. We started on making the part, parts for the defense industry um, and then aerospace and space. And one of the coolest things that I received last year was a letter that originated. Um, I won't tell all the details, but it originated overseas thanking the company that, that made these products that we made um, for them, uh, and, and told them that without these products, these were life-changing, life-saving things that we were doing and winning races is awesome. Uh, but, but saving lives and making a difference is, is really special. That's all I, that really so, Well, then my next question is what exactly are you manufacturing? If you can tell us for aerospace, uh, for the, the department of defense, is it airplanes? Is it rockets? Parts, components, or parts, pieces, pieces parts. <laughs> yeah, so we you know, make um, some communication devices. Um, you know, there's a pretty big conflict war going on right now that we're you're making parts for. Um, there's been some really cool um, advances in the space uh, here recently that we're making parts for that as well. And and then um and then we're making parts for the NASCAR next gen car that we talked about a little bit ago. You know, we're making the uprights and the shifters that go on every car uh, that that competes in the Cup Series today. So it's um it's very diverse, um, but it's just applying all the skills and talents of the great people we have here at Rouchades. And that's incredible. So let me uh, just go back. You the the Yates Manufacturing Facility then is basically the old the the newest of the old Robert Yates buildings. Then is that what you're saying? Yeah. So okay. We are here in Mooresville and, and over in Talbert Park. Um, my dad had his race shop from 2003 to 2007. 2007. After that, you know, Richard Petty was in there and et cetera. Um, but, uh, you know, we bought that building and, and turned it into our manufacturing facility today. Uh, most recently, we just have added another facility behind it um, for future growth. So it's just really taking taking the skills that we have and and uh, all the talent we have and applying it to uh, different industries and, and um, it's, it's really uh, been good for us. That's really great, Doug. You know, I was at the drag races yesterday. I'm sitting next to a guy in a suite and we're talking. We, hey, what are you doing? I said, I'm doing this podcast. I said, he said something. I said, well, I'm really excited. I got Doug Yates under, coming on tomorrow. Yeah. I says, I mean, that's to me, that's making me feel really special that he's in. He goes, well, you know, they added on to their big manufacturing facility. I go, no, no, I don't know nothing about all that. And this guy's telling me all about it, and we end up looking it all up on, you know, Google it, and it's yeah. like, oh, wow, whole new conversation here. <laughs> See, you did some show research out there. Yeah. It's called show yeah. prep. Show prep. Good is that job. what it is? Well, Doug, I— yeah, and, 
Go ahead. I have to have both of you guys come up for a tour. I mean, that's, uh, that'd, be great. that'd be great. We would love to do that. Uh, I think I can speak for Jeff, but I'm going to let him speak for himself. I, I've This has been incredible. I love the show. Very educational. Yeah. You guys, are, you guys, first of all, you had it going on. I, your dad's amazing, uh, what he was able to accomplish. And, uh, yeah, and what you've turned it into is just yeah. So thank Amazing. you for your time. We don't. We can talk for hours. Literally, I could talk to you for a few hours, and uh, we'd love to come visit uh, Jeff and I. Hop up there one day. I'll send you a note, and we'll hopefully coordinate it. And now, are we just going to get somebody giving us the tour, or can we get you to give us a tour? <laughs> well, I don't know that I'm the best tour guy, but I'll be part of it. I okay. <laughs> great. Great. So if somebody, no, thank, thank you, thank you guys. Like I said, we could, we definitely could talk for hours about these things. And what a, what a. I, you know, when you have a, I was just born into the right family. You know, my dad, mom, they were great people. And um, NASCAR has provided us a great opportunity here. And, 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 and all the all the great people here at Roush Ace, I'm, I'm glad to be able to be part of this whole deal. If somebody wants to learn more about uh, um, Roush Ace racing and Roush Ace engines and what you guys are all into, do you have a, do you have a, a website that you could pass we along? Do. Yeah. I mean, so um roushyates.com i mean you search it you know google anything these days right but roushyates uh, racing engines roushyates manufacturing solutions um look us up and uh, do some research and come visit us you know there might just be uh, a defense or medical buyer listening to the show around the world today yeah. well i'm pretty that, tight with the you know the defense yeah I'm, department all right okay. redundancy department <laughs> <laughs> beautiful thank you doug been a great show Awesome. Thank you, guys. Doug, thank you very much. Appreciate it. You've been listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. We'll see you next week.